You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here at Foothills Church. My name's Trent Stewart. If you are visiting with us, man, I'm glad you decided to start the new year off right and uh, connect with what God wants to do in your life. We're in a series that we have entitled Start Here. And so here's the premise. Here's the good news. Where you finish in life isn't determined by where you started, but rather it's determined by whether or not you actually get started today. And so the idea is that if you had a rough background, if you had a rough uh, family life, maybe you grew up, your parents weren't around, maybe the last few years have just been rough for you, uh, maybe physical problems, financial problems, whatever it might have been or might be in your life, whatever you've gone through doesn't really matter because today you can begin a brand new start. At some point, if you want 2019 to be better than 18, if you want to grow, if you want to become more mature, if you want to reach your potential that God knows you can experience, if you want a fulfilling life, then you've got to determine to start here, start right now, and begin to accomplish and to pursue Jesus in a way that would allow you to experience the things that your heart longs for. Uh, Last week, we started by saying we wanted to think about it, and so we began to evaluate our life and evaluate 2018, and I hope that you went online and you downloaded the form that was essentially a guide to to really help you evaluate your life. If you didn't do that, you can still go online, foothillschurch.com slash start here. We'll give you all those resources. If you just go to our homepage and click on start here as well, there are articles that are going to help you. The 21 uh, day reading plan is on there as well because today also starts our 21 day fast. So we evaluated last week. Today we are beginning a 21 day fast and you can do um, really a, a real fast or traditional fast, which is not eat for a certain amount of time. Uh, you can do a media fast, which is I'm not going to watch TV for a certain, you know, during this time, or I'm not going to do Facebook, or I'm not going to do social media, uh, something like that. Or you can do a partial fast, and a partial fast would be like the Daniel plan, uh, or maybe you're just going to not, you know, get, exclude sugar, you know, from your diet or, or caffeine or whatever it is. And, and so the goal for that is, is for us to create some space to kind of manage and be in control of our fleshly desires Right? Because sometimes we just we don't we don't exercise that muscle, and that is essentially, I think, a muscle that willpower, that, that ability to say no to something. And so saying no to sugar or so, saying no to food in general builds up that muscle, that that willpower in your life. So that's a huge part of why we do this. And secondly, we want to create some space in your life for you to have time to be in the Word of God, to read the Word of God, and, and to begin a deeper prayer life. And so we want to encourage you to do that. Again, go to fiddleschurch.com slash start here. You can download the reading plan. And for the next 21 days, we want to read the same text together, be on the same page as we grow in the Lord. We're, we're seeking the, the way in which God wants us to grow and what he wants us to change for 2019 to be the best year we've ever experienced. So last week was think about it. Today, I want to challenge you to own it to own it. So let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Philippians. We're going to look at chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. As you turn there, let me ask you a question. 
Where do you want to go? Or or let me ask it this way. If you could go anywhere in the world this year, where would you want to go? Anywhere in the world, where would you want to go this year? Now, Part of the evaluation last week was this question, places that you want to go. And so when we sat down with our family, our kids had a lot of fun with this. Uh, One of my kids said that uh, she wanted to go to California. Uh, One of my kids said that she wanted to go on a cruise. My wife said she wanted to go to Italy. And I'm thinking, my goodness, you know, I can't afford any of this. And then my son came through and he said, I want to go to Dollywood. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. He, he didn't say Dollywood, but he did say amusement parks, and so that's, that's basically where we're going to go. But I'm, I'm not talking about where you want to go on vacation this year. What, what I really want you to think about is where do you want to go with your life this year? Where do you want your life to go in 2019? What goals do you want to accomplish? What, what, what things do you want to experience? Because here's the reality. We're all on a journey We're all living this life, and we're all headed in a certain direction. And so we're we're traveling inevitably to the end of our life. And so the real question for us is whether we're going to decide on a specific destination and then start steering our life and and steering a course towards that destination, or we're going to allow ourselves to kind of get swept up into the tide and to do what other people want us to do, or essentially we're just going to live with no purpose, we're going to live with no real direction. And so the great news is that you get to choose. You get to, you get to choose what direction your life is going to go. No matter what's happened in your past, you get to decide today and every day where and, and what direction your life is going to go. Now, one of the issues that we have is that we don't slow down long enough to actually think about this stuff. We don't think about where we want our life to go. We don't think about what kind of family life we want to have or where we want our business to be in five, ten years. We, we're so like inundated with the now and, and, and the tyranny of the urgent that we're going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing every day. And then before we know it, the day's over and the week's over and then 2018's over and we're like, where'd the, all this time go? And so we, we don't slow down. And so we've got to begin to slow down as we, we decided to do last week and, 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 and begin to evaluate where we are in our life. And, and then we want to begin to focus and think about the direction we want our life to go. And so to do that, we've got to think about our goals. We've got to think about who we want to be. And so what is your dream? Do you have a dream? Do you have a vision for where you want your family to be? What kind of man do you want to be in 2019? What, what kind of husband do you want to be in 2019? What kind of wife do you want to be? What kind of leader do you want to be? Students, what, what kind of student do you want to be? What do you want your teachers to think about you? What do you want them to, to remember about you when you graduate? You see, these are important questions that, that help us understand and, and begin to help us chart a course to a desired destination. Um, I know that there are probably some, maybe a, a wife in the room today who essentially drags her husband to church every week, and, and her desire and her dream is that my husband would be a godly man, and, and we're, I'm hoping that by bringing him here that it will happen. And so the issue is this, though. The issue is that until your husband owns that vision as his own, until he owns that dream as his dream, it's never going to happen. 
I mean, some of your parents wanted you to be in shape or to have a, a, you know, a better diet or whatever, and, and uh, they wanted that to happen for you, but, but that will never happen for any of us until we own that dream and that vision ourselves. And so, yeah, we want to think about our goals. We want to think about the direction of our lives, but then we have to own that. We have to take responsibility for that, and that's what I want to talk about today. What are the things in our life that we need to own, that we need to take responsibility for so that we can move forward in 2019 and accomplish and do and experience the life that Jesus is calling us to experience? Well, in chapter 3 of verse, and starting in verse 7, we're, we're, we're going to see what Paul really valued in life. In kind of the context of this passage, I love the book of Philippians, and this, this chapter specifically is, is so encouraging and amazing. But in this chapter, what he's saying is, look, I don't really have a lot of confidence in my own flesh. And, and by using the word flesh, he's talking about his own abilities. I'm not really, I'm not, I don't really have confidence in my own ability to do what God wants me to do or to, to live for Jesus. But, but then he says, however, if anybody had confidence in the flesh, it should be me. It could be me because, man, I've got a degree in the Bible. Like I'm a Pharisee. I know the word of God. I know what it looks like to follow the law. Look, I'm important. I've, I've, I've got all these degrees and I've got all this clout and respect. But, but then he goes into this idea in verse 7 of, of how his past life before Christ and, 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 and what he really values today. And so let's, let's just dive into it. Verse 7, he says, but whatever gain I had, all the clout, all the responsibility, all the respect, all the money, um, everything that he had, whatever I had gained before Christ, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Now, you can leave your Bible open. We're going to go back to the next phrase in just a minute. But essentially, what we're seeing here is that when you create a goal, it's going to come out of what you value. Whatever you really value in life is essentially where your goals are going to come from. And so Paul specifically shows us what he values. And, and here's how he gets to his values. There's two ways. Two changes in his perspective because of his relationship with Jesus. We need to think about our perspective today and see if it lines up with where he is at. And, and the first perspective change is this. He says that he considers his previous gains as loss. In other words, before knowing Jesus, anything that I thought I gained... I thought I gained a reputation. I thought I gained responsibility. I thought I gained respect. I thought I, I gained clout. I thought I gained money. I thought I gained all of these things. But he's saying, before Jesus, I count all of that as lost now. And the second perspective that he has is he, he considers his former life useless compared to what really matters in life. In other words, all of his accomplishments, the things that he desired and the things that he focused on and the things that he worked for, he is saying, all of those things in my former life are useless when I now compare them to the things that really, truly matter. 
Now, what is your perspective today? I think we've got we've to wrestle with that. Has my perspective changed now that I know Jesus? Three times, he specifically shares with us what his goal really is. What he values, and then he shares his goal. He says in verse 7, I think this way for the sake of Christ. So his goal is for the sake of Christ. He says in verse 8, for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. So knowing Jesus, what he knows now, he says, far surpasses what he thought he knew before his life with Jesus. Oh, I know all this stuff, and I know all this great stuff, but now I know Jesus, and boom, now I know so much more. He says, everything prior to Jesus that I thought I knew, I realized I didn't really know anything. And then he says in verse 8, that I may gain Christ, that I might gain Christ. He says in verse 10, that I may know Christ. So the goal for Paul is Jesus. The value for Paul is being in a relationship with Jesus. And, and because of his relationship with Jesus, and he values that relationship, then the goal for him is to pursue Jesus. Okay, and so that's kind of where we need to begin today. Do you value a relationship with Jesus? Do you value him at all? Do you want Jesus today because of what he's gonna give you or what you want him to give you? Or do you come today knowing that just having Jesus is really all you need? It's all you need in 2019. In verse 8, he says, look, everything that I accomplished, everything that I you know, was able to experience all these great things. And, and I'm a Pharisee of Pharisee. I was trained under the most, you know, educated and wealthy man in the area. I mean, Paul had his stuff together in that religious world. And he says, everything that I gain, now I consider it rubbish. Now, what's interesting about that Greek word that's translated rubbish is that's a very Sunday school polite way to interpret that word. And so I'm going to be a little honest with you today. And in, in, in the King James Version translates it a little bit better in the KJV, they translate uh, that word uh, very specifically as dung. And so now you're kind of getting a little bit more to what this word really means. Uh, literally, this is, the, this is the only time this Greek word is used in, in the New Testament. And so it's a very, very unique word. And it literally means animal excrement, okay? And, and, and so let's dive into this for a second, okay? Are you tracking with me here? What, what, we're, what, what he's saying? Paul says that all the rewards, all the accomplishments before Christ, it's all essentially a pile of crap compared to knowing Jesus, right? This is what, he is, this is what he's saying. What, I mean, this is good stuff, right? No matter what you experienced, no matter what you thought you were going to, to experience, all the great things that you think you did, whatever money, whatever wealth, whatever, whatever accomplishments you thought you made, he says, now that I know Jesus, I consider all of that stuff a steaming pile of poop. Now, here's the reality. Some of you are living your life. You are dedicated to this steaming pile of poop. You've given your life to it. You think about it constantly. You don't spend a lot of time with your family because you're chasing it. You spend more money than you actually make to get it. Your time, your energy, your focus, spinning your wheels all to enjoy a pile of crap. 
That's what Paul says. He gets us to change our perspective here, right? He gets us to focus on the things that truly matter. And for, for Paul, what matters is Jesus. I don't know if you watched the national championship game last weekend, college football national championship. And, and so I thoroughly enjoyed seeing Alabama get pummeled. Anybody else uh, give an amen on that? It's like the one applause I get today is that Alabama got beat. Yeah, it's, all right, so here, here's the deal. You know, at the end of the game, whether you like Clemson or not, um, you know, Dabo Sweeney is the coach, and, um, you know, he's a believer in Jesus, if you didn't know. And at the end of the game, he gets up and he uh, has the interview like they always do, right? And uh, so how do you feel? What's this like kind of a question? And his response uh, was this. He said, for me, personally, joy comes from focusing on Jesus and then on others and then on yourself. He said, all the credit, all the glory goes to the Lord. Now, I, I know what you think. In that moment, um, you're supposed to give the man upstairs credit, but that wasn't a give the credit man upstairs kind of statement. That was much deeper. And if you know him, and if you've read anything about him or seen him talk in other interviews, you know that he's a very committed follower of Jesus. And so when he says that, He's teaching you and I something that we must grasp today because what he is saying is that joy isn't found in a championship. Joy isn't found in a championship, and that's good news for you and I today because chances are we're not going to be the head coach for a national championship team. Now, there's some young, young guns in the room. You're going to grow up, and you're going to coach, and you're going to experience that. For, for, for the old guys in the room, we're not. And so the good news for us is that joy doesn't come with championships. And, and you know this to be true, don't you? You know this to be true because you've experienced it in other uh, avenues of your life. You dreamed about getting that job. You dreamed about getting that girl. You dreamed about getting that paycheck. But once you got the job, once you got married, once you made the money, you realized that what you thought you longed for for so long and wanted, now that you have it, eh, it's cool for that first day or that first week, but then you just kind of got used to it, right? You see, there's nothing in life that's ever going to satisfy you. There's nothing that this world can, can offer you that you will ever experience true, authentic joy with apart from Jesus. And that's what I think Coach Sweeney has, has shown us. And I think this is what Paul is helping us understand, that without Jesus, your accomplishments, your goals, they mean nothing that's what Paul's saying. In verse 10, he says, I, I, that my goal is that I may know Christ. His goal was to know Christ. Look at it again. I love this verse. He says, I, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know his power. I want to experience his power, right? The same power, the Bible says, that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, lives in me. And so I want to know the power of this resurrection. I want to live my life in this power that I may share in his sufferings and become like him in his death. How do I share in his sufferings? What was he like in his death? Well, here's a quick rundown. He was humble. He was sacrificial. He was loving. He was focused. He was bringing God glory. 
He was filled with love. And Paul says, I want to know him in this way. I want to understand him. And, and, and yes, I want to become like him. I believe there's something very wrong uh, about Christianity, specifically in America today. There's this cerebral Christianity that's circulating that, that says, I just need to know Jesus. In other words, I need to know about Jesus, who he is or what he's done. And that knowledge has led to a lifestyle that is, is, is kind of one foot in the world and one foot in the spiritual world. And, and to me, that's where I would say you're riding the fence where Jesus would say you're kind of this lukewarm person. You're neither hot nor cold. You know about Jesus, but your life hasn't been changed by him. Your lifestyle, your values haven't changed. You're living a life where, not where you know, your, your, your life is revolving around your faith, Instead, your faith is revolving around your schedule. And when do I have time in my schedule to fit in some faith and some church or some spiritual things? And you see, that's not what it looks like to actually live your life for Jesus. Paul says, I want to know him. I want to I be known and be found in him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. All things before him are meaningless and without purpose. Now that I know him. What do we have to own? Verse 12, let's look at it. I love this first verse. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Newsflash, you're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect, okay? That's very encouraging to me because Paul, you know, right? The, the Michael Jordan of our faith is, is saying, like, I haven't obtained this yet. I haven't gotten it yet. I'm still going to experience uh, sin and, and, and problems in my life. He says, but even though I'm going to experience that, even though I'm not going to be perfect, what's he say? I press on to make it my own. What's his own? His faith. He wants his faith to be his own. He doesn't want a faith that was, that, that, that's his grandmother's or his mother's or his father's. He wants his own. He wants to own his faith. He wants to be found in Jesus. He wants it to be his own because Christ Jesus has made him his own. So because Jesus owns him, he wants to own his faith and his life in Jesus. Because Christ Jesus has made, his, made me his own. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I, I haven't figured it out. I haven't reached the pinnacle yet. I, I don't have all of that down yet. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of you who are mature think this way. That's where we started last week, isn't it? We've got we to we change the way that we think about God. And the more we change the way that we think about God, the more in line with his, his will we become. We, we change the way that we think about God by understanding his word and being in his word, studying his word, applying that to our life. And Paul says here, I'm, 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 I'm interested, he says, I, I want to know what God has in store for me. And I think that's probably a question that you have today. God, what do you have in store for me? I, I hope that's your question today. What do you have in store for me this year, God? I haven't obtained this. This gives me hope. But he says, I press on to make it my own. 
Listen, you've got to press on. You've got to strain forward to make this your own, to, to fulfill the calling that God has placed in your life. By using the word straining and pressing, what he's telling us is it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to press through this. If, if, you're, in the, if you're in the gym and you're, you're, doing, some, you know, you're doing bench press and, and uh, you're pressing up some weight this week and you're trying to get you know 10 reps and you're in the third set, and you know how you get to that final one, and you're like, you know, you're doing one of those, and nobody's spotting you, and you think, if I drop this, it's going to crush my neck, and I'm going to die kind of moments. You ever been there? Of course not. You guys are strong. It's just people like me. But that's what it feels like to fulfill your calling, okay? It's a stressful, straining forward, right? It's a pressing forward, trusting that, that God is, is, is giving you nuggets and pieces and opening up doors here and there. And as you walk faithfully with him, he's growing your faith and you're experiencing that joy. So what do we need to own? I think he covers three areas here. First of all, you've got to own your past, but forget your guilt. He says in verse 13, if we're going to we're going to own our faith in 2019. We're going, to, we're going to grow in our faith in 2019. You're going to accomplish these goals. You've got to forget what lies behind. You've got to own your past, and you've got to forget your guilt. So what do I mean by that? Well, listen, you don't have to run from your past. You have to own your past. There's no sense in hiding and running and, 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 and trying to shove things into the, to the darkness you got to own it. How do you own it? You've got to admit to God that, that you have sinned. You admit to him, yes, this is how I failed. Yes, this, I admit I missed the mark, God. I offended you with this sin. I, I broke promises. I broke relationship. I broke relationship with you. I broke relationship with other people. This is how I sinned. This is called confession. And then we repent of that sin. In other words, we turn away from that sin. And as we seek God's forgiveness through Jesus because of his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, we receive that forgiveness, right? We turn from that sin. Now the Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus says that as far as from the east is from the west, so have I forgiven you of your sins. In other words, he has wiped the slate clean. He has forgiven you. It is, it is gone, and so Paul says, you've got to own your past, own the fact that you've messed up, but you've got to forget that guilt because if you are feeling guilty and if you are experiencing shame for things that happened to you or things that you did in the past that you've already sought forgiveness and repented of and turned from, then the person that's giving you that guilt is either yourself or the enemy because Jesus doesn't do that. The Spirit of God doesn't bring guilt and shame onto you once he has forgiven you. Um, I think a lot of times, and even science is helping us here, what, what we're learning is, is that dwelling on your past sins actually is harmful to your health. There's a doctor named Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she's written books called Switch on Your Brain, Think and Also Think, Learn, and Succeed. She's done a lot of research on the brain, and what she is saying is that really in the last 10 or, 10 or so years, uh, finally, scientists are, are discovering the, the power and uniqueness of, of our brains. And so with new technologies, they're able to learn this. And, and uh, one of the things she writes about is, have you ever said, you know, you're not feeling well or you're sick, and then someone says, ah, it's all in your head? 
And you're like, no, I don't feel good, man. Well, she says that 87% of all illnesses today are the result of our thought life. And so not necessarily means that, that, you know, you're sick today only because you think you are, but a result of how you think has led into some, some uh, illnesses and some sicknesses. And so we've got to begin to understand what this means. And so I want to share a few things. In her research, she says our thoughts um, are obviously in our brains. These memories are actually physical cells, and they're shaped like a tree. And so all of the memories, everything that you've ever experienced is actually stored in our brain. We just don't know how to access those memories um, with, with our own, you know, minds. But she says they're there. And those memories are actually physical cells. And so when we think about a memory, what we do is we activate that cell in our brain. And when you think about that memory and you, give, you, you begin to dwell on that, then your body gives energy to that cell and it grows. And when you think about that, you're, you're, the, the, the brain cells, which there are over 100 trillion brain cells in our brain, as it's activated, as energy is given to that, you actually physiologically begin to experience a change in your body. When that memory is activated, it releases chemicals in your body that affect your, your, your body. There's a whole list of them. I'm not a doctor of medicine. I'm not going to go into it. But there's one I know that you're familiar with. It's called adrenaline. And so when you are thinking about perhaps a past sin or a past mistake, you activate that real physiological cell in your brain. Energy flows to that memory. You release adrenaline, which causes your blood pressure to rise, causes your sweat glands to open up sometimes, and you begin to sweat. Your heart rate goes up. You become sometimes angry, sad, um, resentful, all of these emotions take place. More and more chemicals are released in your body. So if you are in the habit of dwelling on past sins, guess what's happening to your body? Those chemicals are hitting your bloodstream. Your blood pressure is rising. Your heart rate is rising, which stress and, 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 and emotionally, all of these things are resurfacing in your heart, in your mind, in your body. Yes, it's affecting your health. I think this truth for us today is not only helpful spiritually and emotionally, but even physically for us. And so I think it's so valuable that we learn to own our sin, own our past, and then forget our guilt. Now, there are some things that have happened to you that you're not just going to be able to forget. He's not saying like, wipe it out of your mind, you're never going to. What he's saying is learn from your past mistakes Grow from that. Help the next generation learn from your own mistakes. But don't dwell on those past sins because if you do, the guilt, the shame, and all of these other physiological uh, repercussions will take place. So he says, you got to let it go. You got to stop thinking about it. You got to take your thoughts captive and not allow yourself to dwell on those past mistakes. Paul understands that there's nothing good about dwelling on past mistakes. We all sin. We've all messed up. We're going to continue to deal with sin. We're going to continue to make mistakes, but we can react differently and we can control those thoughts. Some of us, though, because we've messed up, because we've you know, sinned, because there have been mistakes, some of us in the room have reacted in a way that has caused us to lose our confidence. Uh, we can't 
control those things, but our confidence is gone. And as a result, we aren't, we aren't attempting anything new for God today. We're not attempting that next step that he has for us. There was another scientific study uh, about fleas of all things. And so they, they had these fleas in this glass jar and they had a lid on the jar. And they were, they were noticing that these fleas were, were jumping up as high as they could and they were hitting their little flea brains on the lid. Well, evidently that didn't feel too good for them. And so over time, they stopped jumping so high and they started jumping a little bit, little, little bit lower. So much so over time that they unscrewed the lid of the jar and realized that because of the past pain in that little flea brain, they had trained themselves to never actually jump that high anymore. Physically, they were more than capable to jump out if they chose to, but they had become a prisoner of their own self. See, the truth is there are a lot of people here today who used to be the ones that would take the risk. You used to be the one that would seize the opportunity. You used to be the one that was involved in ministry. You used to want to make a difference. You, you used to want to be plugged in. You used to want to be a leader. God was using you. God had a plan for you. But over time, like many of us, we make mistakes. You made mistakes. You got hurt. And as you did, you began to take fewer and fewer risks. You stopped trusting people and you didn't seize the opportunities that God was placing before you because you were afraid of failing. You were afraid of potential pain. And just like those fleas, you've become a victim, a, a prisoner of your own self. Some of you might have been burned this year. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you've had some, some hang-ups, a season of hurt. But I want you to hear this today. You, you came to Foothills Church. You begin to, began to find some healing. Some of you have, have come and maybe you're brand new. And you're here and you're beginning to experience some healing in your life. And we just let the Holy Spirit take this wherever he would take it for your heart today. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to dust off your pants. It's time for you to clear your throat. And it's time for you to get back to work. It's time for you to step into the man that God is calling you to be. No more excuses. You got to own it. You got to forget your past. You got to forget the guilt. And you got to move forward in the ways in which God is calling you today. Secondly, second thing we got to own. We got to own our future. We got to focus on the goal. Look at verse 13. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. Now we already know what his goal is. His goal is Jesus, a relationship that is deeper and mature with Jesus. And he says, I'm going to forget my past mistakes. I've learned from them. I've grown. I'm not going to let them distract my focus. And I'm going to strain towards the goals that lie ahead. See, Paul had a dream. He had a he, he, he had a focus, and that focus was to plant churches and to disciple men and women. He wanted to see people come to know Jesus. And, and so some of you are trying to figure out what your purpose is. You're trying to figure out what your, your dream is. And um, Camp 2 here at Foothills Church helps you understand that. I, I encourage you to take the next step on the journey here at FC to, to help begin to clarify that for you. But now, no matter what your vision is, no matter what job you have, we know that in some ways it's going to intersect with the biggest goal that any human being has, which is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so if we're going to embrace that calling, 
You don't have to be a full-time pastor to embrace that, but you do need to understand that if you're a banker, a teacher, a whatever, God has called you to be, that in that setting, that he wants you to use the time and talents and resources and the influences that he's given to you to be a blessing to other people, and to be able to share the gospel, and to be able to love them, and to be able to encourage them, and to be able to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's true for all of us. Now, every single one of us has a different road, a different avenue that God is going to specifically call us to. And that's part of the fun of following the Lord, is beginning to understand what that is. And once we begin to see that clearly, once we begin to know what he's calling us to do, we've got to own that future. We've got to own it, and we've got to focus on the goal. Thirdly, and finally, he says, verse 14, for the upward call of God in Christ. You see, what we've got to do in 2019 is we've got to own our race and finish well. You've got to own your race and finish well. Now, the upward call of God is the race that he's called us to. The upward call of God is to live our life that would glorify him. You see, to, to be a success, you've got to finish well. And, and, and Paul knew that his goal was to spread the gospel, but he also knew that he was going to give every ounce of his energy to accomplish that goal until God called him home. And even if he went to prison, even if people were talking falsely about him, even when people that he was investing into were idiots, he still invested into them. He still loved them. He still cared for them. And he still pursued the dream of making disciples. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says this to Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. See, life is, and your faith is not a 50-yard dash. Man, it is a marathon. And it's going to be filled with a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but the race that God has called you to is, is, is one of faithfulness to him. And so as we close today, I, I want us to begin to, to understand that as you know Christ and set him as your goal, all the other things begin to work themselves out. Jesus is not something that you can add on to a goal. He has to be the goal. And then all the things that you were hoping that would happen begin to happen in ways that you never dreamed of would happen. In his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey said this, most people are so busy climbing the ladder of success that they fail to realize that once they finally climb to the top, it's leaning against the wrong wall. We've got to finish well. Some of you would probably admit today that the, the, the ladder of success that you're trying to attain is, is leaning up against the wrong wall. It's, it's not based on the values that, that you really truly have. And, and today, maybe the Lord would, would show you what needs to change and begin and, and to, to, to share with you how you need to shift that, that you need to own your past, but forget your guilt, own your future, start focusing on that goal and finish your race well. I'll never forget in eighth grade, we had um, the track and field day, and uh, you know, all the classes competed against each other. You guys remember that? I don't know if they still do that, but if you won 
at your school, then you got to go to kind of like the district regional thing, like the bigger deal, which A, meant that you were going to get out of class, which let's just be honest, that was the biggest reward. Um, But also it meant that, you know, in your little middle school mind that you were somebody, right? Like I'm somebody because I won and we're going on to bigger and better things. Enjoy math class. We're not going to be here, right? And so I was in this race and it was the, a, a relay race. It was a four by four relay. And I was the last guy on the, on the, on the, on the race, right? And so, so I'm waiting and uh, we were in like second, third, we, we were kind of tied for the second, third place and the top three went. So you had to place in the top three, right? And so our, our team, it was based on your homeroom. And so it wasn't just like your friends, you know, it's like your homeroom. And so, so my, my, my guys are coming around, getting ready to give me the last baton. And I know, okay, we're, we're struggling, you know, second place, third place, bro, I got this. Like we're, we're there. Right. So, so I get the baton and, and I'm, I'm running, right. I got the form, I got everything, and I see the finish line, and I am trucking it, right? And uh, as, I'm, as I'm trucking down the lane, I start to get a little nervous uh, as the crowd gets loud, because I knew the other guys were kind of fast, you know, and so this is not going to be super easy. But, but as I was getting there, I got a little concerned, and, 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 and on the turn, I decided to glance behind me. I decided to take a look. Who's Who's coming? what's happening back there? Are they close? I got a little worried. And when I turned around on the curve, if you know anything about track, you got to stay in the lanes. And if you get outside the lanes, what happens? You're disqualified. And so I'm running and we're in clear second. I'm getting ready to chase down number one, right? I glance and I look I crossed the line, I finished, and I'm like, yeah, you know, we're going, high fives, whistle, <laughs> cross the line, you're disqualified, and I'm humiliated, <laughs> humiliated as an eighth grade kid, right? And of course, all of my friends, they were super understanding and reasonable, and they didn't give me a hard time at all, right? That was not, a, that was not an issue. Of course it was. I, probably still get made fun of if if they were around. But here's my point. Some of you, some of you are spending your time trying to run the race that God has given to you, but you're constantly turning around to look at your past and to look at your problems and to look at your fears and and you're second guessing yourself. And you're not stepping into the lane that God has said, run, man, go. Like your time is short. Don't mess around. Stay focused. Look ahead. Right? The point of this fast is to help us know the one thing that God is calling us to, to, to accomplish. I told you, we, we spend New Year's resolutions like diving into, you know, okay, I want to work out. We go to the gym. On day one, we hit every machine in the room, and then we can't feel our body on the second day, and we never go back. Because we take this, I know, I want to accomplish all this stuff, and I want to do a million things, and then, you know, we don't do well, and then we give up. You've got to cut your goal, like, in half at least. If your goal was to run a marathon, start with a 5K. If your goal is to read, I'm going to read the entire Bible this year. Dude, I'm just going to be honest with you. You are not going to do it. (laughs) Don't lie to yourself. Like, how much do you read the Bible now? Well, maybe like once a month. (laughs) 
Like, it's not going to happen. You're going you're gonna to hit Genesis, like, 3 and fall asleep, and let's not even talk about Leviticus. Like, you're not going to make it. You're not going to get through Leviticus. It's not going to happen. So how about you do this? How about you decide for the next 21 days you're going to read the Bible? And what if I said I've got a really short plan that's really simple that, that you could follow, and that'll get you there? I would say that that's a great start. And for some of you, it's going to begin a habit that's going to change your life. And you're going to be able to experience the things that God wants you to experience in 2019. Now, in the lobby, you see the Start Here uh, banner out there. And, and uh, our goal, there's a sign that says, this year I will, and then there's a blank. So what we want you guys to do through the course of this series, once you determine what that is, we want you to take a picture with that, with that uh, poster. And then on social media, Uh, We want you to add the words and fill in the blank of whatever it is, that one word, that one phrase that you want to focus on in 2019 that you believe God has laid on your heart as a result of this series and a result of your fast. So that's the goal. That's the hope. Next week, be here. We've got more to talk about to help you reach the goals that God wants you to experience this year. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your word. Lord, I know that in this place we have so many potential dreams and hopes and things that we want to accomplish, and sometimes our mind just races. Help us to slow down. Lord, help us to focus. Help us to dial in on that one area. Maybe that's reading the Word of God. Maybe that's our marriage. Maybe that's prayer. Maybe that's our diet. Maybe it's an attitude adjustment. God, what is that word? What is that phrase that's going to bring us in a deeper relationship with you? Begin to speak to us now, God. Our goal is Jesus. We want our goal to be Jesus. No matter what it is, Lord, we want Jesus. And so help us to experience him in a deeper relationship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.